You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. As uh, Kate mentioned, we're, we're talking about Samson. And uh, Samson was a judge, a leader in Israel at the time. When you're assessing a leader's effectiveness, there's three criteria you usually look at to try and determine or how to evaluate or analyze their effectiveness. One is their ability. Could he or she, could, could they actually do what was needed to be done? Do they actually have the ability? Sometimes it's a physical ability. Sometimes it's mental, intelligence. Were they smart enough to do it? Um, some, if, if, some of you are sports fans, you know, who have aspirations to pray, play professional sports, we realize along the way our ability stopped improving um, as it needed to, and so that became an issue. Um, or uh, I understand uh, that uh, for those who want to be like in the military, a fighter pilot, you have to have um, 20-20 vision. You can't wear glasses in the cockpit. So through no fault of your own, if you don't have the ability, physical ability, you're not able to perform that task or duty um, you know, if you want to be a surgeon, you've got to be able to know body parts and physiology and anatomy and those things. And to be an effective leader, you have to have the ability to do what is needed. So that's number one. Second thing you need to think about is opportunity. Opportunity. Did they get a fair chance? Now, you can have all the ability in the world, but never get a chance to try. There are a lot of people out there who could do jobs but never get the opportunity to actually do it, whether because of the, the, the environment in which they live, they're born in a developing country instead of one, and so that limits their opportunities. They're born into a family that doesn't have financial resources, or there's any number of reasons, multitude of reasons, um, that could cause someone to not get the opportunity. And so it'd be... So, it'd be unfair to say that they're not a good leader in that area when they truly haven't had the opportunity to do that. Um, and this, is, this idea of opportunity is at the heart of many of the justice conversations going on today, where someone doesn't get an opportunity for something because of external criteria, whether it's the color of their skin or some other type of judgmental um, feature or characteristic um, that, that denies them that opportunity. To be an effective leader... Um, they need to have the ability to do what is needed and the opportunity to actually do it. And then lastly, the third factor to consider is motivation. So were they willing to do what was necessary? You could have all the abilities in the world and have opportunity, but you never take advantage of it, never do anything with it. They didn't want to study that much, or they had the money but just don't want to spend it, or they're just lazy, or whatever. Again, there could be positive and negative reasons, but for whatever reason, they didn't take advantage of that. So to want something and not have the ability to do it is heartbreaking. You know, you see that, again, for me, growing up playing sports, you see that in sports where it's, it's the kid who has the heart of a lion and incredibly talented, but... They're only four foot six, and, you know, basketball is their thing, and that's never going to happen. And it's heartbreaking for them because they run it so bad, but they just don't have the, the, the ability. To have the ability but not the opportunity is tragic. That's a tragedy because that's, that's a human asset, human um, um, life that is negatively affected because of that. To have the ability and opportunity but let it slip away is probably the most painful of all. Of the three, the, what's interesting, of the three, the ability, opportunity, and motivation, the only one you can actually control is motivation. 
The other two, you really have no control over, but motivation is the one. So you're often born with the ability or not. You really can't control that. You can't always control your opportunities. Sometimes your circumstances are beyond your control. But to have the ability and opportunity but let it slip away is probably the worst thing of all. Wasting ability and opportunity is exactly what's going on in the story of Samson. He had the ability, he had the opportunity, but literally let it slip through his fingers uh, because of some his mo- internal motivational issues. Last week, we looked at the book of Judges from a distance. We talked about that, kind of the overview of what's happening in the book itself, and we established the context for the life of Salmon, or Samson. I did that last week, didn't I? I did that last week too, just seeing if you're paying attention for Samson. Ah, oh, Lord help us. Um, so Samson is the last judge. That's a death. There's 11 different judges identified in the book uh, in, of Judges, and he's the last one identified. Um, what we learned that last week was that in the midst of adversity, God is always at work. God is always at work, even in the midst of adversity. We may not see it. We may not recognize it. We may not know it, but God is always at work. We also learned last week that we may not always understand what God is doing, but we can trust him to be with us through it. So those are some of the takeaways from last week as we think about the book of Judges and think about what's happening in the the broader context of that story. Whereas last week we looked at the book of Judges from a distance, today we're actually going to dive down a little deeper, um, or my cloud metaphor, we're actually going to fly up into the clouds where you can see the layers and the columns, and we're going to look a little bit more deeply into the life and behaviors of Samson. Now, what we see here in the story of Samson is that God's plan and purpose is good and for our good. But through our own choosing, we can wreck God's plan and limit his work. God's plan was for Samson to grow up and deliver the Israelites from the oppressive rule of the Philistines. That was God's plan. And he equipped Samson with natural ability, and he provided him the opportunity. He was all set up and ready to go. God supernaturally brought forth Samson's birth that he might be a deliverer for Israel. But as we'll see, Samson's or Samson makes some choices that cause him to fall short what God had intended for him. So the passage we want to look at this morning specifically is Judges chapter 13. We're going to start with verse 24 and read uh, through verse 3 of chapter 14. So if you want to follow along on your screen here. The woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Mahana, Dan, between Zorah and Eshtaol. Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all your people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, get her for me. She's the right one for me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for your word, and I thank you for the story of Samson. And Lord, as we uh, dig a little bit into his story, Father, give us insight and wisdom and understanding and, and, and recognize that it's not just his story, it's also potentially our story. And so, Lord, help us to, to hear your voice as you might speak to us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So what we see in these verses that we just read is that Samson wants to marry a Philistine woman, not part of his tribe, which goes directly against what Moses had instructed the Israelites as they entered the promised land, to not intermarry with the other groups because of what the long-term consequences would be spiritually as well as relationally that they were not to do that. We also see that Samson rejects the guidance of his parents. Now, again, we realize the parent-child relationship changes as kids get older. Um, but still, he, he had advice from his parents that he said, yeah, I'm, I'm just not interested in hearing what you have to say. What I do think was interesting, it says that in the text, and although we're not given a whole lot of information, all it says is that he saw a young Philistine woman. It doesn't even say he knew her name. I saw a woman from Timnah and he said, go get her. So he doesn't even know her name. We don't even know that there's even been a, he's even had a conversation with her at all. So again, we have limited info. There may be more of the story than what we're given, but as it's written, it really suggests what? That his, basically his desire to marry her was based entirely on lust. It was a, a visual thing that said, this is the person I wanted to marry. There was no relationship whatsoever. So that's the immediate context of what we see in Samson that by just by virtue of seeing somebody, he's willing to counter what he knew he was supposed to do as far as marrying. He disregarded or he potentially damaged the relationship with his parents because of going against their wishes. And he was making a decision based entirely on a feeling of, of potentially a feeling of lust um, within his own heart, which would set his life, potentially would set his life on a completely different path than what he was supposed to. So that's what we see just in these verses. Well, and Kate alluded to this as well. What we see in the verses that follow is that, um, so they do get, a, they do, his parents do make the arrangement and they're at the wedding ceremony. It's a one week long reception. During this reception, there's, there's this stuff going on. Basically, Samson kills 30 men for their clothes to pay off a debt. He leaves his, so then this whole thing creates animosity between he and his wife. So he leaves her during the wedding reception during that week and goes home. Well, the father of his bride's like, what just happened? And so she, he gives her to someone else to marry. That makes Samson mad. So then he goes and he, um, he destroys all their wheat fields and all their olive groves, sets fire to them, and they're, they're all burned up. Well, the people are upset and said, why'd you do that? Well, because of what he did to my wife. And so the people then turn on the father and the, the, his wife and kill them. Samson's now really mad because he killed his wife. And it just goes on and on and on and on. And actually, the Bible says that it went on like this for 20 years, this tit for tat, back and forth back and forth that was going on. But the Philistines could never overcome Samson because of his strength. He was the, he was the first superhero. You know, the, the, they, couldn't, they, couldn't, um, over, they couldn't subdue him because of his strength. And then we get to the part of the story where Samson meets Delilah. And we're all pretty, if we're familiar with the story of Samson at all, we know the story of Samson and Delilah. And he falls in love with her, another Philistine woman. And we, we soon realize that she is you know, getting paid off by the Philistines to try to find Samson's weak spot so they could subdue him. Three times she tries to trick him into giving her the secret. Three times he lies to her and exposes her for her attempt. 
but yet he doesn't end the relationship. You'd think like after one time, it's like, yeah, you're not helping me at all. I'm going to leave and find, you know. He stayed in the relationship not once, not twice, not even three times, a fourth time that she tries to get him to reveal it. And then finally he says this, with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used in my head because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any man. Delilah realizes that he's finally told her the truth while he's sleeping, shaves his head or cuts his hair, calls the Philistines, they subdue him, they capture him, blind him, and put him to work in their prison grinding grain. And that then essentially is the end of Samson's work. It really is one of the most tragic stories in the whole Bible. Samson had the ability and the opportunity to be a great leader. But ultimately, he became motivated more by his emotions than by what he knew was right. Although Samson was a man with unfathomable physical strength, he lacked inner strength and character, so his life was one train wreck after another. So in Samson, we see a few things. We see that Samson was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. What's your weakness? We all have at least one. Betsy says hers is chocolate. Most of us struggle with internal desires or needs that keep us from doing what we know we should. Samson's weak will kept him from living as God intended for him. We also see that Samson was driven by emotion. He was not led by the Spirit. Here's the irony about emotion. We can't always control how we feel, can we? Our emotions are what they are. We feel what we feel. And so whether it's lust or anger or impatience or pride or impulsiveness, these are all things that we see in Samson's life. These are all natural emotions. They're not healthy emotions, but they're, na- they're, they're, not, they're, they're natural. It's, it's part of our human condition. It's part of our human existence to have these emotions. The problem for Samson was that he acted on his emotions. When he was angry, he lashed out. He didn't have the self-awareness to think, hmm, why does this make me angry? Nor did he ask, you know, what will happen if I do this? Or is there a better way to handle this situation? All very good questions to be asking in times when you're feeling emotional or that something needs some kind of response. Samson was consistently reacting to his emotions rather than responding to God's direction. So if you're driven by your emotions, then your life will be like Samson's. You'll have some really great highs. Samson had some really, really great accomplishments. But you also have some terrible, terrible, terrible lows. Lastly, when looking at the life of Samson, we see that Samson didn't ruin his life all at once. He ruined it one step at a time. I think for me, this is the biggest takeaway for us today, the story of Samson. The consequences of sin are rarely immediate, which is why they're so dangerous to our souls. At first, our conscience is our only barrier. 
It's what keeps us from crossing the line. But every time we do cross the line, our conscience is weakened a little bit more. Soon we cross the line without even thinking. And then one day, it all catches up to us. Samson rationalized the same old sin and eventually it wrecked his life. I think the same is true for us as well. In what area do you struggle? Is it with relationships? Do you hold on to hurt and anger? Is it a need for love or acceptance that causes you to make choices that are not in your best interest? Is it pride? Do we talk about or treat people in a way that we shouldn't? Or is it behaviors, certain things that we do, certain things that we watch and look at? I'm convinced that usually our most detrimental behaviors are the result of some internal struggle that we're dealing with inside. Samson was impatient and had a very bad temper. He didn't think about the consequences of his actions. While you and I probably have different issues that can hurt us, we do have them. So what can we learn from Samson? I think one of the things we can learn from him is that our choices will, in fact, limit God's work or keep God from, from working as he wants to. Our choices will limit God's work in our life. I think it's an interesting question, and it's just a theoretical conversation, but how might have Samson's life been different had he been able to control his emotions? Um, some of you are familiar with the poem um, from John um, Whittier. Of all sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these, it might have been. What would have happened if? If only I hadn't done, if only I hadn't said, or only if I did do. So our choices will limit what God wants to do, or can limit what God wants to do in our life. Another thing we can learn from Samson is that we need to understand that we can be our own worst enemy. Samson had little trouble with the Philistines. They really didn't give him any trouble at all throughout those, this time. He beat them at every turn. It was his lack of self-control that proved to be his downfall. So understand that you can be the one that holds you back from what God wants in your life. I think the last thing we can learn from Samson is that we can choose to live by the Spirit and not the flesh. So what does that look like? For me, a few practical steps that, that help me in that process. And um, you may have some things d- to add to that or different, but here's what I found that helps me. One is pause. Don't, don't react. Even though you're dying to say something, you want to type that in Facebook. Ah, you know. You know, you know, and you get your response and you're ready to go and pause. I've even heard some people say they'll write it out, but they'll never hit send. Or they'll put it on a Word document and then delete it. Just the act of that pause of getting it out is what, what's helped them and it's kept them from saying or doing something that they would have regretted doing otherwise. So pause. I think you need to pray. Ask God for wisdom. God, what, God I need help here. I realize I'm not seeing this correctly. My emotions are probably skewing what I'm looking at this. Help me. God, give me wisdom. And then last, so pause, pray. And then the third one is another P, perspectives. Get, seek godly advice from others. The bigger the decision, the bigger the, the impact, 
I think the more you need to actually get other input. And not just from your friends. I, I use the word intentionally, get godly advice. People who may actually differ, but who have your best interests in mind and who also have a godly perspective that they're sharing from. Um, and again, it's just all part of you helping to process and getting a sense of what you need to do so that you don't react, you don't lash out, you don't respond by emotion, but you're actually making wise choices and decisions that don't negate what God might want to do in our life. So, um, yeah, so choose to live by the Spirit, not the flesh. Pause, pray, and uh, perspective are the three words there. Now, fortunately for Samson and for us, the story doesn't end here. And uh, it has... It still has kind of a tragic story, but it has a redeeming end to it that I think will be helpful for all of us. And that's where we're going to look at next week. Uh, so next week, we'll have a chance to look at how God can redeem our failures, um, which is really huge because even though we don't want to live like Samson, we all, there are parts. That's why I said before, this is, this is much our story because we all have those moments in life where it's like, oh, those, those things we wish we had done or hadn't done and God can redeem those. So we're going to have a chance to look at that next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you uh, for uh, the story of Samson and the ability to look at um, his story and recognize, Father, that even though Samson had all these uh, faults and all these deficiencies that we might be able to look at and see today, Lord, he was still the one you chose. And he was still the one that we'll look at next week that you actually still work through. You still accomplish your purposes in and through Samson. And uh, so, Lord God, I pray that if there's any here today that are wrestling with failures in their life, God, that you would encourage them. Father, if there's others here today, Lord, who are wrestling with decisions that need to be made or wrestling with emotions, with relationships or certain circumstances or situations that have really got them bound up in emotion and um, fear and anxiety and stress. And Father, may they find you in the middle of that emotion and be able to work through it. And Lord, uh, that you would give them wisdom. You'd give them the ability to see clearly to understand clearly and to make wise decisions. Father, you bring godly people around us to help us think and to help us evaluate what you're directing and asking us to do. And Father, my prayer as well is that if there's any here who may feel as if you're asking them to do something and they're, they're, po they're possibly reluctant to say yes, Lord, that you would, they, that they would find comfort and peace in that response. Lord, that they would once and for all, Lord God, surrender to the prompting of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, release whatever that might be to you. And Father, the outcome is up to you. It's not up to us. It's up to you and what you desire to do. And Lord, we can be content in that and content in that alone. So Lord, hear us this day. Father, see what's in our hearts. Lord, uh, forgive us of those things for which we have caused you grief. Father, give us courage and strength, Lord God, to make the changes that need to be made. Lord, that our lives would look nothing like Samson's. But Father, it would be lives that you would look at. And Father, lives that you would work through uh, to touch others and to have an impact on other people, we pray. 
Father, thank you for all these things, and Lord, we continue to put our lives into your hands and trust you for all these things. And uh, Lord, I just want to pray as well. I just feel, Lord, separate from uh, the sermon. I just feel, I just want to pray for our congregation, and not just us here in Statesville, but for all of Grace Covenant. Um, and Lord, I'm even expanded to your church worldwide. Lord, we're going through a season that is just unparalleled in any of our lifetimes. Um, just all the different things having with the, the, the COVID virus, all the different um, the cultural wars that are going on. Uh, Father, we're at a time in life where it's easily, we'd be easily distracted and our attention and focus would be on our circumstances and not on you. And Father, my fear and concern is that those would lead to um, altered relationships amongst us. So Lord, protect your church. Protect our hearts, Lord God. Protect our relationships that, Father, we're, continue, we're able to continue living graciously. Uh, Lord, that uh, as things continue on, we don't know how long the indefinite, uh, indefiniteness of this makes it incredibly difficult. But Father, that we would continue to find you in the middle of it and that we would center our lives and center our relationships around you, not around our circumstances, not around issues, but around you, Jesus Christ. You are Lord and Savior. You are the one in who we put our hope and trust. It's in you that we put our confidence. It's in you in whom we find our identity. So Lord, in you, Lord God, may we find strength and peace. And Lord, in all these things, I just want to commit them to you now in Jesus' name. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.